This is the Chillinoy Podcast. When I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale, and never tried it again, and didn't inhale, and didn't inhale, and didn't inhale. You want to get high? This episode was recorded on 8-24-2020 at around 2.30 p.m. And today I'm joined by a really awesome person, Nurse Kibra. Nurse Kibra, welcome to the Chillinoy Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, Justine. I'm talking to my co-host Justine right now. Hey, Justine, can you uh, maybe separate our cats for this podcast for, real quick for me? They're really into a huge fight. It's a recurring theme on the Chillinoy podcast that our cats have a, it's like UFC fight night, except in our uh, living room, right? Ah, okay. So, uh. Cars up there, Cole. Oh, that (laughs) is, thank you for asking, because we're on video right now. So, folks, if you're listening to the Chillinoy podcast, check out our YouTube channel, because we're doing a video version of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And Nurse Kiebra is pointing out that you can see my uh, harvest up in the, uh up in the corner there so we just harvested about six ounces uh so in illinois medical cannabis patients now have the right to cultivate cannabis but anyways welcome to the chill podcast nurse kiba tell us a little bit about yourself well hello again uh and again thank you for inviting me my name is kiba smith bolden i'm a registered nurse i am uh, from from new haven connecticut i in addition to being a nurse, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, um, and um, just a community servant. Gotcha. So uh, you're a nurse. I think I read you've been a nurse for 20 years. Is that correct? Roundabout there. <laughs> yeah. And you, uh, as a nurse, recommend uh, medical cannabis. Is that correct for, for your patients? Well, I don't, I don't, well, I do recommend it, but officially, I'm not the one that in Connecticut, it's called a certification. So I'm not the one that certifies people for medical cannabis use, but I am the one who had the bright idea to start the company. Nice. Um, and, uh, my company is uh, Canna Health. We are now a multi-location uh, medical cannabis certifying, a uh, group of medical cannabis certifying centers. Um, we do provide access to safe plant-based medicine to patients and um, in communities that otherwise would not have that as an option or have that as an ease, um, you know, a ease of transition into the program. We try to make it easy, make it accessible, make it affordable. And so, yes, we do <laughs> certify in the state of Connecticut and now in four additional states. So... Uh, tell us where we can find you guys online. Uh, not only you, but Canna Health as, as well. Sure. Um, so our website is www.visitcannahealth.com. Kind of long. Um, and then uh, we do have another page that will link you all to the one page, and but it's a little easier to remember. It's www.gocannahealth.com. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Cool. So for folks that are listening, check out the podcast description. Those links will be in there and uh, you can get connected with Nurse Kibra and uh, Canna Health. Uh, 
So Nurse Kibra, tell us about tell us about how you got introduced to cannabis. Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a '90s girl, so I uh, came to age in the '90s, and I and I grew up in the inner city. Believe it or not, Connecticut has uh, inner cities, um, and um, some real disparities amongst communities. And um, I grew up at again the height of the war on drugs, um, and so cannabis at the time I was calling a weed was all around me. <laughs> you, you know, it was. It was a part of um, growing up. I will say that when I was probably about 15, I tried to smoke uh, uh, weed for the first time. And it, I don't think I inhaled because I remember thinking, what is everybody so excited about? I felt nothing. But now I think it was just a matter of me Bill Clintoning the situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as an adult, I did begin consuming cannabis um, to, and at the time I really didn't realize the, 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 the real medicinal qualities of the plant. Um, but I do believe that I was um, consuming cannabis to manage stress, you know, deal with depression, um, deal with the, 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 just the overwhelmingness that comes with being a black woman in America today, you know, and sure. so I was medicating myself and um, I started to, you know, have a real love for the plant and I wanted to study it more. And I also um, ended up medicate kind of sim at the simultaneously uh, had to medicate my grandmother who had suffered from an aneurysm with cannabis. And she had such a miraculous uh, turnaround in about four weeks of implementing cannabis into her medication regimen. And being that I had been a nurse uh, at this point, maybe like 10, 15 years, somewhere in there, and had never, ever, I've yeah. been passing out meds to patients every day, 365 days for the last decade, and never seeing this type of improvement. So, you know, I wanted to look at this, at, look at, um, what I was calling weed then more as this yeah. and start studying the medicinal qualities. And so I looked for a school and I found one in Massachusetts um, that had a 12 course study on uh, cannabis. And at the end you were deemed competent in cannabis. And so Interesting. I about the medicinal qualities of the plant, how it really works in the body, the endocannabinoid system, you know, all of these uh, science behind, um, cannabis but what really kind of grabbed me was learning about the history of the plant and the history of criminalization um, of people who use the plant and harry anslinger and just really yeah. really knowing that if cannabis was going to be legalized a communities of color inner city communities poor communities need needed to have access to it as a medicine um, should have first opportunities to be involved in the industry as owners um, and those communities that were affected by the war on drugs and by, you know, criminalization of members of its community just for use of a plant needed to be the first communities to reap the benefits of the sales and tax revenue that um, cannabis will generate for states. And so I just wanted to be a part of bringing that information to my community. You know, it's on, it's three tiered, you know, it's health, yeah. wealth, 
and it's opportunity. And, you know, it, it's important that we're able to take advantage of that. And we don't, a lot of times, we are the last people to be told about opportunities. And so I, I felt it was important early enough, it, it was important that I got in early enough to kind of push my way <laughs> into a seat on the table, but to be able to bring back information to our communities. Good deal. See, yeah, that's something that we try to talk about here on the Chillinoy podcast. We actually just had, uh, just for our listeners uh, to listen back, Daniel Corral. He's a former employee at a company called GTI. They're a multi-state operator. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy because a lot of these companies, this guy's family, he they literally on their website website call it prohibition 2.0 and this guy's family came from a family that benefited off of the prohibition of alcohol and so now he comes in and he's benefiting off the prohibition of, of now you know the ending of the prohibition yeah the ending of the prohibition exactly because he's got he's got the political contacts and everything else mm -hmm. and it's just like you say it's just crazy to me that um this happens but it you know, it, it's, it's obviously not new, but you'd hope that moving forward when we have these things in the back of our mind that we would do more to, to balance it, right? So something that Illinois is trying to do, it's remain to be seen whether or not it's going to be amicable, I guess, is they're awarding the first 75 licenses to social equity candidates, which sounds good on paper, right? And they've got a whole scoring system behind it. But one of the, I know a few of the candidates that qualify. And one of the things we've agreed on is that it does sound good, but they've delayed it multiple times. And so we're starting to become concerned because, you know, they use COVID as a, a reason for denial, but, um, it's starting to seem that really what it was was that these people that controlled the market pushed to further the control of the market. And mm -hmm. it's coming out day by day that that is the truth. And it's just so sad. So I appreciate you doing that work yeah, to I mean, inform the, people. The thing is that um, this is, we live in a capitalist society, you know, people want to make money, corporations run things. But I, I just w wish people would understand that we are in America. There is enough to go around. The opportunities are unlimited. Like you can, I definitely believe there's a space for corporate entities in cannabis. Of course, like it needs to be. But there also sure. should be space and opportunity for um, people who don't have millions of dollars, people who don't have a, a family legacy that they benefited from prohibition of alcohol. And so now they, they've set their yeah. families up for generations. And, and we as a people need to have an opportunity to do that as well. Like we have children too. We want to pass down, you know, wealth and not poverty. And, and you know, and the, the, this is an opportunity. This industry can be opportunity. Now, we can have social equity um, applicants and, and give them priority, but with a legacy and history of poverty and uh, disparities in, in education and, and healthcare and all the things that would affect anyone being able to be a productive citizen in, in the world, with all of the things that come against communities of color, poor communities, it's really important that we not just throw them a license, but then teach them how to run a business. You know, teach, have, make, put provisions in yes. that don't 
allow like for, you know, if you get a license, you usually have to have a physical location. You have to pay rent at that location and maintain that location until you're licensed in most situations. Right. Being able to put provisions in the law to support people with real estate and to be able to grow their businesses. So it's just not about throwing an application, even if they finally get around to it. It's about, mm-hmm. it's about working to correct, correct policies and, and put policies in place that support these businesses that gives the same people the opportunity to build and grow and create generational wealth. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like you say, in places like Florida, I don't know if you've done any research on Florida, but it's literally set up so that just anybody, it's not, you can't just be anybody and open up a cannabis industry. You literally have to have vertical Mm -hmm. integration, which for people that don't know, that means you own everything from distribution all the way to the storefront or for, sorry, for cultivation to distribution to the storefront. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, close to probably a billion dollars depending on, you know, what it comes Mm -hmm. down to. So um, you were talking about prohibition and um, that dark stain in history. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's a horrible thing to look back on. And it's crazy now too, because, you know, like we were just, we're rolling up. We Got it. It's just crazy to think that this used to be something that could put me in prison, anybody in prison, you know, it's a nonviolent offense. It's, I'm going to enjoy this. It's not hurting anybody, but, you know, maybe myself, we'll talk about smoking weed in a little bit and what your opinions as a nurse are. But, um, you know, let's talk about that stain in history and what it's left behind, unfortunately, which is PTSD, urban trauma, topics you have dealt with with some of your patients let's take a moment to yeah talk about and, that. and you know um something you said like you actually probably would not have the same um yeah for that joint that someone who looks like me um might and 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 because of that history well if we go all the way back <laughs> to re- the reason why it was even made uh criminalized in the way in which it was it was because you know of the desire to build what is now um, the criminal, <laughs> the criminal justice system and the prison industrial system. It was a, yeah. a way to create, um, recreate slavery. So they criminalized anything that black and brown people did just to put them in prison and to perpetuate that free work <laughs> to build right. countries and industries. Well, but yeah, just to prove your point, it, it you know. Know, depending on how much like depending on where you're caught with and everything else it could be a felony which takes away your right to vote mm-hmm. your right to own firearms i mean so on and so forth there's so many other things and like you say that's basically finding another way to take away people's yeah. rights and, and, the bottom, <laughs> and the bottom line is that you know this was done like we need to acknowledge it you know there and and we have proof that this is why certain policies were written we got nixon and his mm-hmm. piece on tape you know just talking about how the point of criminalizing um drugs was to lock up the hippies and the and the black people and he didn't right. so nice about it i was it. gonna say i don't think he said it that that, so, um, that and, way yeah and so you know when I think about growing up, I, I tell this story often of um, what it was like being a, a, a person who grew up in the, in, in the middle of the war on drugs. Um, 
and I think I'm, a, I'm I think I'm okay. <laughs> like I think I survived. <laughs> I think, I, but it, but when you look at and you think about trauma, so I remember my freshman year, uh, this young man, his name was Sebastian. I had known him since preschool. He had he was shot and killed. Um, and the the day that it happened, or the next day, we all arrived to school to find this out because uh, we didn't have cell phones like that back then. <laughs> Um, so we arrived at school and we're told that Sebastian's been murdered. They shut the school down. They provided us with grief counselors. They, um, they, they gave us time to talk and, and just to be together and support each other. And that was the first person that was murdered um, when I was in high school. By the time I graduated from high school, I had probably hundreds of friends either murdered or sent to prison <laughs> for, you know, either minor, mostly minor, there was no big, big time, nobody's around, um, drug offenses. Um, yeah. And by that time, if somebody died, we were, con we were expected to continue to go to school. The, they stopped sending grief counselors. It just became a normal part of growing up in our community. And that just does something to a person, you know, constantly being in fear, having to walk by memorials, makeshift memorials of people, you know, because of violence in the streets and, you know, that leads to depression and, you know, um, drug addiction, all these things um, have created hundreds of millions <laughs> at this point of little trauma victims in cities across America. And it was all because of over-policing, of targeting individuals, again, to help build this prison, prison industrial complex and to, yeah. to um, it keep perpetuating this criminal justice system. And so now I have people who come to me, and, and, and these are people who've been smoking weed, you know, their whole lives are from the time they were teenagers. And people tend to look down on them and they're like, oh, they're just potheads. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to change the way people think about these individuals because truth of the matter is they are probably multiple mm -hmm. trauma victims that are self-medicating. And they just don't know how to self-medicate. But, you know, we're seeing... Um, symptoms in people where they're, they're having difficulty concentrating, they're unable to maintain relationships, jobs, they're hypervigilant, always on edge, you know, and these are, th these are things that we've become to, we begin to normalize, like we almost accept it, but yeah. it's not acceptable, it's not normal, and there are ways to treat and heal from trauma. Um, cannabis definitely manages the symptoms, but it's important that not only do we manage symptoms, but that we get to the core of the issues, that we heal the trauma. And that can be done with a with a healthcare professional, with a with a therapist, but that also can be done, and, and that's what we refer people for. But I, I just wanted to point out that also can be done on a systemic level, like releasing the oppression, uh, uh, rewriting policies and laws that give all people opportunities that don't target certain individuals in a negative way, but purposefully targets people in a positive way that they can rebuild their lives and partake in the American dream. That's all, that's all we want, you know, is just to be treated like everyone else and have the same opportunities. We've come from, you know, we had to come from further back 
We had to build ourselves out of the dirt and out of, so all we need is opportunities and, and to be, um, and have the oppression released from our necks. <laughs> yeah. So I won't lie. I mean, you, like you pointed it out earlier, it's easy to see, but I come from a pre privileged background and I actually had to learn about things like the prison industrial complex, not the way that you learned about it, I'm sure, which is, you know, I went into like an internet rabbit hole about it. I learned about it that way. Oh, wow. okay. You know, other people learn about it because they are part of the system or they know somebody that's part of the system. And so and you um, I just your privilege like you can't help that you were born into that and you have every right to that. But what with your privilege um, comes responsibility, I feel. And yes. I think that's where people have not have not lived up to their responsibilities because yeah. you're able to see that there are systems in place that um create disparate conditions for people who don't look like you then then it's our responsibilities as humans and especially humans in positions of power and privilege to correct those wrongs and shift the power because knowing that yeah. i can be powerful and you can be powerful there's nothing wrong with us being powerful um and not be intimidated by each other's power yeah so folks if you haven't looked into it google the prison industrial complex because it's real it's real it's real horrific but it's real and uh, i think that it would be I would be doing you a disservice telling you not to look it up because I learned about it and it really changed my viewpoint on our society. You know what I mean? And um, that's kind of, I, you, like you say, I can't help where I came from, but I can at least um, try to teach other people and give people the experience that I didn't have, but I learned about, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that's, I think that's a step that I, I can at least try to take, you know, to, uh, help out as much as possible right so uh i was just gonna plug that you were recently in uh forbes magazine that's pretty awesome yeah that was pretty awesome <laughs> yeah so check that out guys search up uh oh sorry what was that i said that was like one of my bucket lists like i want to be in forbes one day and it yeah <laughs> seriously so yeah guys look that up it's five questions with kibra smith bolden uh nurse kibra uh mm -hmm founder of Canna Health. So if you look that up on Forbes, you can find that out. So um, I was reading though, and that's where I was reading that you had experience dealing with uh, urban trauma and PTSD. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, so what are some troubling things that you see in the cannabis industry? What we touched on one of them already, which is that it's not inclusive really at least from what we've seen so far. And we've seen measures to try to make it more inclusive, but you and I are arguing that that may not be, that may not be the case. Like that may not be the, uh, the solution, right? There needs to be more like funding. You know what I mean? You can't just make it so that they can apply if they don't have the capital to do it. Like, right. are you really doing anything at all? No. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so what are some other troubling things you see in the industry? Um, definitely what troubles me the most is when I see people that are in this industry just to make money. Yeah. Like, and I, and I, and I, money making is good. It's necessary. I plan to make millions, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I definitely am for, for making money, but I do believe that if you're going to partake in this industry, that you should be an advocate as well. 
A, because it may be necessary. You know, if you want to own a delivery service and your state doesn't have laws that afford people the opportunities to deliver, well, you can't just say, hey, I want a business and start putting it, you know, put the business plan together. You have to advocate to have that added to your laws and to be a part of um, an opportunity that's afforded to all people. So, you know, you just can't do one without the other. There has to be a level of advocacy and then there has to be, to me, a level of give back or feel the the response the knowledge of the acknowledgement of the wrongs in some sort of way to rectify that or be a part of changing that. And, and that's, people are in this for the money <laughs> and that's all a, a lot of people are focused on yeah. medicine and it's healing and it's, it brings people together. There are so many elements that if you just can't be, about the money with this plan, you know, there's some sort of, it's a level of disrespect when right. it comes about money only. So the lack of advocacy um, is, is really like an issue for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's troubling here too. Um, it, it, you know, like we've even seen, we've reported on our podcast where uh, cannabis licensed cannabis cultivators in the state lobbied against home growth for all. They lobbied against it. Now, what they said when we asked people about it is that, well, this was just a concession to make sure that adult use passed. We didn't want to make it so that everybody could grow. So that our concession was that we allowed medical patients to grow. I just don't. Don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't really, I really don't buy it, especially with the way that the market, if you paid attention to all the way that the market is playing out in Illinois, it's super limited. Uh, there's only 20 licenses. So 20 people own the market in Illinois. And that's one of the biggest cannabis markets in the United States. Wow. 20 people. It's, it's wow. going to be bigger than Denver. Um, tw uh, 21, actually, now that I think about it, 21. Um, and there's 60 stores. Uh, the, the next 75 stores to open are apparently going to be allotted to social equity candidates. So cross our fingers that, that folks, know. you know, that need the chance, get the chance, right? So um, I wanted to talk to you about something that Canna Health recently did uh, that I just found really interesting. And then I want to talk about some expansions in Canna Health that recently happened because you guys are freaking blown up. So um, I saw recently though that Canna Health did like, uh, and you were actually there um, as well, you did uh, like a firearm training session. Can you tell us about that? So, yes, it really had nothing. It wasn't directly related to cannabis or anything. Um, yeah. But it's, it's part of our mission and of Canna Health and um, our related LLCs to give back to the community, to empower people, to provide our little bit of social justice and equity. And something you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about um, once a person is criminalized or a part of the system and they um, be, obtain felonies, then they're unable to um, obtain their own firearms and be licensed, at least legally. And our communities, if the men in our communities have lost their ability to own uh, firearms and bear arms, then our communities are left unprotected. And so I just right. feel like it's important because a lot of women 
black women specifically have, you know, some of us have avoided that being a part of that system. And so we have the responsibility of bearing arms. Like, you know, I think it's important. I think it's necessary. I think we should be able to protect ourselves. And so, and a lot of times uh, women, you know, for whatever reason, that's the last thing on their priority list of things to pay for, things to do. And so I just wanted to make um, make it available for any woman from my town who wanted to come and take this uh, the safe gun safety course and, and be certified so that they could obtain their um, pistol permit in our state to um, have this course for free. And it was, you know, we sold out. I had, um, I had to do actually a second class this past weekend uh, with a few people who couldn't make it to the first class. But I just, you know, I just think it's part of, like, I think we as, in our, in our communities, for sure, like, I think the daily need to survive and kind of just like, um, going through the motions to, to just stay, stay alive and stay ahead, you know, really makes it so that we forget about some of the other things that we have rights to in America. And so, you know, it's just important to like point that out and just say like, you know, you have a right to protect you and your family. And if your man can't do it, you can do it, (laughs) you know. Right. To paraphrase from an article that Killer Mike wrote, I was like, I looked this up just because, you know, I, I wanted to get into this because in Illinois, it, and this, I believe, extends to other states, but in Illinois, for sure, if you get a medical cannabis card, um, you can no longer purchase firearms from an FFL, uh, like a box store. You have to do it through private sale. You can still have your concealed carry permit, just like you can, and uh, that's in Connecticut that you're at, right? Yeah, so you can still do that. You can still technically have firearms, but the Illinois State Police have even kind of added to the confusion by making um, social media posts that say, if we determine that you are addicted or habitual use, user of cannabis, that we have the right to take away your gun. And it's like, Killer Mike from Run the Jewels, I really like his perspective on um, gun ownership. And he basically says that every human being has value. And with that value comes a God-given right to defend oneself. Mm-hmm. And Black people are not exempt from that. Mm-hmm. We must increasingly pursue all available Uh, means to protect our person and our family what we must also work to elect leaders who understand and support this gun ownership may not solve everything but it gives us a fighting chance like the tools in a toolbox each one has a distinct and designated purpose no one tool will work for every situation or problem but you can get a heck of a lot farther when you have options and gun ownership is no different right i thought that was really well said and his concerns really stem from uh, when, you know, it's unfortunate because, um, some politicians have come out and advocated for like red flag laws and it made him concerned because the way he sees it is that gun laws affect African Americans worst and first. And mm-hmm. so this is just another opportunity to take away guns from black people. So like 70 to 80 years ago, black men could buy shotguns, but not rifles. And think about it, Kiber. This is the way kind of I say it. Mm-hmm. We've got so many police. We've got the FBI, the DEA, the ATF, the TSA, ICE, federal, mm-hmm. sheriff's department, federal marshals. Mm-hmm. These are a lot of people with license to kill, a license to kill. 
and they almost I'm just gonna get right to it they almost all love Trump Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean and so I just I really feel like at this time um, people need to reconsider um, gun owner gun gun ownership and we should be highlighting and showcasing responsible gun owners we should be looking to like with when we're talking about black gun ownership we can look to black organizations such as the National African-American Gun Association, which mm-hmm. offers firearm training, something that you've been doing, self-defense training and other services. And, um, you know, we can also look to black freedom f- fighters like Harriet Tubman, Ida B. Wells, Malcolm X, the Deacons for Defense and Justice, Robert Williams, and more, who embraced gun ownership. They protected their families and their community in the process. I mean, even Martin Luther King, right? there's record of him applying for a concealed carry permit. So, um, and he needed it. Yeah. The thing is that like, yes, there, crime does exist in our community, but when it comes to outside of our community, outside of um, our crimes against each other, we're being perpetrated. It's being perpetrated against us. Like, and we're not, <laughs> we are not um, yes. violent ones. We're not the ones <laughs> like going out and doing these things to other people. No. These are crimes and, and abuses of power that are being perpetrated against people of color. And, and it's just necessary, you know, for us to have the ability to defend ourselves. Because I can't trust necessarily that if it came to it, that um, anyone else would protect me. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you say, much of the narrative around guns is associated with gun violence in black and poor communities. And we both empathize with people that have been traumatized because of gun violence, right? We mm-hmm. feel for those who uh, have only had negative experience with firearms, it's tragic and painful, but the narrative around guns and black people must include the full range of experiences and not just these anecdotal happenings mm-hmm. um, and, that and aren't- you know, black on black crime is is just a thing that was made up you never hear white yeah. on white crime asian <laughs> right crime, latino on latino crime it's just something a, a form of propaganda to perpetuate that black people are violent and criminal and should not be trusted with guns it's, <laughs> it's kind of like that old uh, dave Chappelle bit where he the cops chalk it up to gang violence and then his part of the joke is oh sprinkle a little crack on him you know it'll exactly. <laughs> gang violence or whatever but i mean yeah Exactly. You know, now do we have a problem? I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. Do we have a problem in our community? Yes. But I think that the majority of the problems that exist in our community are due to systemic racism, oppression, and just lifelong discrimination that that people have dealt with and just the overall and trauma. Let's not forget trauma and and just and just and and we need to attack that. Um, as a community as well not to say it doesn't exist but you know it, it's really not a thing and um, and it should not affect someone's ability to protect themselves or have access to medicine <laughs> like it just shouldn't well said so uh, tell us just to kind of shift into another topic here <laughs> tell us about some exciting new things that are happening with Canna Health I see you guys popping up in other states now yeah, so, you know, from the beginning, uh, when I started Canna Health, I wanted to be able to create other entrepreneurs in this space without 
all of, you know, all of the muck and the mire and the millions of dollars and licensing and things of that nature. So when I started Canna Health, I always knew I wanted to make it, I wanted to perfect it and be able to replicate it or have, give people the opportunities to replicate it. And so um, that has been happening um, after, after having our one location for two years, we expanded to a second location. And then um, we started our licensing program, which um, added additional locations, but um, in partnership with others. So we have at this time um, eight, no, wait, no, six partners and eight additional locations that are licensed. And, and, and as you said, we just went from six locations in the state of Connecticut with four licensed partners to now um, a total of 10 locations with uh, four additional outside of the state of Connecticut. So we're now in Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and um, Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm very excited. Gotcha. So about when were you in Forbes? Because I saw I saw this was one of your goals. You're making it happen. Okay, so it was in, <laughs> right? it was in July. So not that long ago, you're making it happen. That's awesome. Yep. Hey, did you yeah, notice yeah. that your article on Forbes was posted 4:20 p.m. At 4:20, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought that was That's super awesome. cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yes, but Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I it seemed it seemed so far away in July. And now it's reality. Yeah. We have four additional um, sites opening in four additional states. So now we are a national company. Yeah. So guys, go to visit canahealth.com. That's the website, right? Or go.canahealth. Is that it? Sorry, visit I'm testing my stoner memory. <laughs> visit canahealth.com. The other is gocanahealth.com. <laughs> okay. Gocanahealth.com. Great. Cool. So check, go check that out, guys. Um, just a quick question before we move on to smoking up some weed. Um, where can our, if if our listeners just go to like visit com or on your social media, how can they find some of these other things you guys do like firearm training? I'm sure you do other things too. Yeah. I mean, if you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, I haven't gotten into the tickety talk and the other stuff yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, LinkedIn. Um, it's by my name. Um, so on Facebook, I'm Kebra LaShawn Smith. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Nurse Kebra or I'm uh, KBreezy494. <laughs> um, I and like that. Visit Canna Health is um, on uh, Instagram as well. But and on LinkedIn, it's my name. So we usually just post anything that we're doing in the community. Um, anything we're any specials we're having right now well we just added and i think it's just it's going to be an ongoing um discount for essential workers you know so we just started promoting that so nice. any any essential worker will pay the low uh, discounted rate to obtain their medical cannabis um certification in the state of connecticut and um in uh those four states maryland dc pennsylvania and uh georgia you should come to Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I'm looking for partners. If so, so if there's a if there's someone in Illinois who'd like to open a can of health, I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, we have a really great program. Um, basically, I've created the model. You just take my operating practices. Uh, we we tailor 
your processes to the laws in your state and we 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 go into operation it's it's very low entry um that the licensing fee i have kept it affordable because again my my goal was to create op uh, entrepreneurs who will then provide access to communities who don't normally have access to um, cannabis or plant-based medicine. So, you know, I, I, I want partners. I'm looking for that. I'm looking to be able to provide that service. Yeah. So guys, if you're thinking about partnering with Nurse Kibra, reach out on social media or on visitcanhealth.com and yeah. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you. Absolutely. So uh, Nurse Kibra, let's, uh, spark up some cannabis to close out this show does that sound good yeah <laughs> heck yeah hey you're just like my girlfriend justine she's a blunt girl <laughs> this is some new like I, i'm really like loving hemp wraps so it's like that's what she gets too you guys must be just like <laughs> yeah we must smoke together justine <laughs> yes no we'll definitely have you back on the chillinois podcast i need to introduce you to justine she's so cool <laughs> she's so cool and i wouldn't be surprised if she'd like she uh she does a um platform called canna queens for the midwest um and she's just trying to elevate and help promote other entrepreneurs in the industry and yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna tell her about you and you might be hearing from her soon she'd probably love to promote some of the stuff you guys are doing i mean it's free advertising right so yeah um, and, and and truthfully to be uh support or you know now my time is limited i'm not going to pretend like i could just sit and be mentoring people all day yeah yeah however but you know to be able to check in with some 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 women who are, are new to the industry one thing we really didn't talk about was um some of my connections in the industry being a part of women grow um pretty much from very early on and still having the um connection to them on a corporate level has has created a network for me of, of yeah. resources and of professionals and people who are really influential in this industry. And so sometimes it's about just being able to make the right introductions to the right people to help people be successful. Go, could, do you mind going into a little bit about Women Grow? I think I was about to have the founder on of Women Grow, uh, but it just... Jane, yeah, it just didn't end up working out, but we're still talking and we're still aligning it. But yeah, if you don't mind, we're just trying to highlight more perspectives that people can find out there. So tell us a little bit about Women Grow and your involvement. Sure. So, I mean, that definitely, when I give people um, advice about getting into this industry, the main, one of the main things, there's a couple steps, education, but creating and finding a, or a network and connecting with the network. And that was very important to me. So when I was in school, um, one of my instructors said, you're social. I guess I was talking a lot or something. <laughs> but he's like, you're social, you would do well with um, you know, a couple of organizations. And one of them I'm thinking about, you would do really great with would be Women Grow. And so I was going to school in Massachusetts. They did have Women Grow in Massachusetts, but I figured since I was in school in Massachusetts and making connections, I would, um, joined the Women Grow in New York. And the very first Women Grow event I went yeah. to was in Harlem. And the title was, I, I thought it would, they just made it just for me. The title was How to um, Encourage More Women of Color 
to take their place in the cannabis industry. I was like, oh, okay, that's perfect. But what Women Grow is, and I found out that day, is a national networking organization, which um, basically what we used to do, we've changed our model now, but what we used to do was hold monthly networking events. We'd invite speakers. We'd have promotional items and like new, you know, new stuff to the market, but really just have like a really nice event with, you know, food and ambiance and, you know, just, yeah. just my up right up my alley. And, um, and at those events, you know, we saw so much magic happen in those rooms. You know, it happened for me that first day. I walked around with my business cards because in addition to Canna Health, and being a nurse, I, I own a home care company. And so I have my little cards and I was like, hi, I'm Kibra. I'm a nurse from Connecticut. I own this home care company and I would love to be in the industry and own a dispensary or whatever I want. And I literally said that to all 50 people in the room or hundred people. It was a lot. <laughs> and um, every single person said, but you're a nurse. Like, why don't you do something in the medical field? And so by the end of my very first uh, networking event for Women Grow, I had the, the beginning seeds of Canna Health growing in me, you know, and that's the power of networking. Sometimes, you know, you can be in a room with people with your same t- type of interest and they help to help you define what it is that you have been dreaming about and, and thinking about and help you develop that into um a business and, and make the right connections and introduce you to the right people to make that stuff happen. And that is, that was, that is the power of women grow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So people check out women grow. Cause that sounds, that sounds like a great resource for, yeah. for our ladies out there, you know? Yes, it is. So that's awesome. I work, so, I work um, with the entity you know, as the policy director. So I help with um, crafting policies that are fair, equitable, women first, those type of things. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you guys still doing stuff with COVID? Or are you just doing like maybe webinars? or Virtual stuff. Um, our president and CEO now, Gia Marone, she she's been doing like a lot of online conversations we all kind of rotated through and we're just you know trying to figure out which direction to go in next with um all of the changes like we're not having our annual summit and things of that nature so but but just still providing that resource to women and men um who want to get into this industry awesome cool so we're sitting here smoking on some cannabis what are you smoking on um well i didn't have my favorite so i'd rather just talk about my favorite my favorite <laughs> is electric lemon g i love anything with lemonine in it i i love oh, any, i too. love a sativa for you know focus for for you know the, i can write an article or <laughs> get a whole lot of work done you know with a good sativa but um one of my newest things lately oh, yeah. has been like inability to sleep so you know I'm looking for anything with a CBG in it uh, anything to help me kind of relax and unwind yeah. at the end of the day gotcha you mentioned CBG you know people are pretty familiar with CBD and THC but there are like a hundred other cannabinoids out there what, what are some that you like point people to you know CBG sounds like one 
Yep. Uh, definitely CBG. Um, CBN is another good one um, because it's one of the foundational ones too. Um, yeah. But, is THCB you know, really, an appetite suppressant? Is that correct? It is. Wait, yeah. THC what? V is in like violet. Well, I know that THCA has a lot of benefits and qualities um, and, and that you can get from the leaves and from the stalks. Um, uh, yeah. THCV, I'm not sure about appetite suppressant per se, yeah, but I me... will say whoa, whoa. That, oh, the cat's attacking you. No, I was uh, moving my uh, camera. I was going to Google it real quick. I was like, well, we got the power oh. of Google here, so let's see. THCV. Um, but Anyways. I you know like one of one of my I was just telling somebody earlier today, like an appetite suppressant strain is Durban poison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I only mentioned yeah, that because good. some people some people, including myself, um, you know, I especially this weed that you just pointed out that we grew, it's like, holy crap, I eat everything in the house after I smoke it. So um <laughs> Yeah, so THCV is an appetite suppressant in contrast to THC. THCV may dull the appetite. This may be good for consumers focused on weight loss, but it should be avoided in patients treating appetite loss or anorexia. Mm -hmm. um, say it may help with diabetes, may reduce panic attacks, Alzheimer's, which is something I've seen you uh, post mm -hmm. about. Uh, just with cannabis mm -hmm. in general. Um, and apparently it may stimulate bone growth. And it looks like it's good for too. <laughs> looking at it. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at it for uh, osteoporosis and other bone-related conditions. The point I was trying to make, though, is that, you know, we talk about, I think we just had maybe six, close to five there, cannabinoids. But again, right. there's 100. So we got a lot to learn still with over a hundred and then yeah. once you um, once you so, familiarize yourself with uh cannabinoids then you got to get into terpenes you know and uh and flavonoids and the different all right. the different things make up um the cannabis plant so it, it you know i that's what i look at now like again when i brought up electric lemon g i didn't say initially a sativa i did say it eventually but like the first thing about it is the lemonine that Yep. fresh awakening feeling that 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 um energy and mood booster <laughs> that it has and, and it's because of the yeah. lemonade <laughs> that's awesome yeah i love lemonade i love lemonade so people in illinois if you're looking for a good strain with uh citrusy i think it's lemonade um look into orange marijuana it literally tastes like oranges it's mm -hmm. it's really good stuff so we're smoking right now. What do you think about smoking as a nurse? Like, and vaping, how about that? Because I know vaping, there was the recent thing. Like, what do you, when you, I guess my question really is, because it's a loaded question. When you gener when you recommend your patients, do you recommend they start on edibles because of the health factor? And then say, but if you need immediate relief, spark up or vape up. You know, that's, it's just that it's not measured or how do you approach it when you talk, if people ask you your advice, you know? I mean, the thing about it, the thing I always explain to people is cannabis is like the one medicine where you can be autonomous in how, what you, you know, it's like you get a blood pressure pill. Well, it's going to be like Cinepril, five milligrams in the morning, 
and that's it. <laughs> like, there's no way to, you shouldn't take it at night. Don't mess around and take 10. Don't take half of it. <laughs> you know, you only take a pill. Don't try to, you know, melt it down and drink it. <laughs> you know, that cannabis, you actually have the ability to say, I want to smoke it and I want to smoke it in the paper or a blunt. I want it in a bowl. I want to eat it. I want to eat it, you know, as a salad dressing or I want to eat it as a brownie. You know, you have so many, I want to have tincture. So I just want to put a dropper in there, you know, so there's so many options. I suggest that patients with uh, economics, definitely in mind, <laughs> try out a few things. <laughs> like go to the dispensary and see what works for yeah. you. Keep a journal. Um, you know, kind of, kind of write down. Hey, today I smoked Girl Scout cookies, um, but I had a slight headache and felt hungry. <laughs> you know, hungrier than I wanted. So let me try. You know, yeah. um, something else. And then when you try that tincture, well, I like the tincture but it had an aftertaste, you know, those kind of things. And you get to, you get to find your sweet spot. And some people might like a combination of things. Like you may, especially like former smokers or pe like people who smoke cigarettes or like there might've been a timing for them. So like consuming mm -hmm. cannabis in that way might help to like be a, a regimen to them, an alternative to cigarettes. You know, you never know which way people are going to go. Um, but I love the options. I love the options of topicals. So a lot of times the way I um, ease people into cannabis use is to suggest a, a topical. I, I always yeah. say I like go and run around and rub uh, a salve on some old lady's knees <laughs> and then she'll love me back. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so it just depends. But it's good to let people know what all their options are. You know, some people will tell you right from the beginning, like, oh, I'm okay with trying this, but I do not want to smoke it. And that's simple. We just can work around that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, so you love the variety of options. You love the fact that it basically, um, losing my train of thought here. Damn it. It's the problem <laughs> with smoking a joint during the, um, what I was going to try to segue into though, is I was going to say, I bet you love as a healthcare professional that, one of the things you don't have to worry about is um, them like dying or like do you know what I mean? Like they like the worst thing that's gonna yeah exactly overdosing. I mean that you okay so you could overdose, but I always joke that the worst that's gonna happen from an overdose of cannabis, which is mean, just means simply you took too much, not like what you think of when you it's think not of a an overdose, overdose, which is a scary scary situation. It's not fatal. Fa there you go. Thank you for making the dis. Yeah, yeah, thank you for making that distinction because you can you can definitely overdose on cannabis. But what I always joke is like the worst that's going to happen is that you're going to find that childhood cartoon more funny than you used to, and that you know maybe you're going to eat. You, make sure you have enough food in the pantry because you're going to storm that thing. Um, right. You know, so I think as a healthcare professional, you would agree that that's like the least of your concerns when you talk to somebody about using cannabis. Like you can always tell them low and slow you know, mm -hmm. and, and just start you know, slow or like you say, put it, start with a topical on your knees, you know? Right. And, and truth, truth of the matter is some people, you know, will never follow your rules and directions. They're just going to do their own thing. So it's important to tell them what to look for, like what a, what a overdose is going to feel or, or what they've taken too much, what it's going to feel like. And, and, you know, um, 
And so they kind of know, like, I, <laughs> I remember one time I ate uh, two like hard candies. I didn't know I was in California <laughs> and I, it was way too much for me. And I started tripping. Like I was like worried about things I should not be worried about trying to take my own blood pressure. And I had to say to myself, you're like the wind, the wind is hitting my arm weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I had to say, you know what? Obviously I had to talk myself, but it's only because I knew, you know, kind of what to expect. So letting patients know what to expect kind of preemptively giving them information because it, it happens to the best of us, obviously. <laughs> yes, it's, yes, it happens to, to, yeah, it happens to veterans, you know. Yeah. I've seen many folks that would be like, oh man, I'll smoke you through the roof. And then you give them an edible and they change into a different person. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's because know. of the way edibles are um, processed in our bodies, broken down in the liver, it almost becomes like a, a psychedelic to an extent and so it's just sure. <laughs> you know uh interesting but you know warning people that that's what i i love about what i do as a cannabis nurse like i'm able to give people their options um give them um suggestions kind of match strains specifically to symptoms that people are um, dealing with and to be able to warn them like you know, you will get some pushback if you are going to choose to smoke and you live in an apartment building. You know, there may be yep. issues. You do have rights. You know, this is how you should handle that. But maybe you might want to just go smoke in a car, <laughs> you know, outside, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and these are the real conversations that you have to have with people because, you, know, um, you know, discrimination still exists. There are people who really don't understand this plant feel like it's the devil's lettuce, you know? So, you know, you really have to be prepared, be knowledgeable, know what to expect and um, handle yourself accordingly. Yeah. So uh, I guess just one more question probably, and then we'll close because I know we're getting to the uh, top of our time slot. So um, what do you think about vaping? I generally recommend people that if they're going to do like concentrate or anything, like, just get it from the dispensary if you can, you know, yeah. just because I even say that for other products too, but especially like vapor products and concentrate, it just seems like that's where that whole scare really came from among other things. Like there was a lot of things going on, you know, that I think there was even influence from the tobacco industry and that whole scare. But I do think that there's like an element of truth in that you need to really be careful and, these mixtures you're getting from the black market you know it's a liquid it's, it's mm -hmm. different than when you get flour i mean even flour now that i grow cannabis you can, it's a little weird thinking about buying untested unregulated flour now because mm -hmm. of some of the methods i've heard, learned about people or how they cut corners or whatever mm -hmm. um but yeah do you generally steer people towards regulated sources or at least it, what we at least say is like look everybody has to go back to the dark alley sometimes we all came from there right um but just if you're going to do that, please do it with somebody you trust right. like if you can. Yeah, for sure. Um, I own a medical cannabis certifying center because I want people to be certified so that in addition to being safe and not being criminalized, that they're able to access, you know, medicinally, <laughs> medicinal grade cannabis um, because you really don't yeah. know. Now, this is why I advocate for there to be a space in the industry 
for our legacy providers, <laughs> as I like to call them, mm-hmm. because, yes. you know, because we don't want to put them out of work. We don't want to, you know, not have them be able to support their families. They put in the work. They kept us healthy for years. Um, but it is important. Right. This is a new day, a new age. You know, there's COVID. There's fungus there's all types of things that can happen if it's not stored properly you know and if you are a cancer patient who's already immunosuppressed um, compromised excuse me um then we don't want to take those kind of risks you know so i do suggest that people you know purchase from um a tested um licensed facility. Now, again, though, I say that and I say that that is the reason why I want our people who have put in the work, our legacy providers, to be able to engage in this industry because they yeah. should be able to make money and do it, you know, <laughs> when you have to do things un- illegally and in the dark, you, you do cut corners, you know, but, you know, when you're able to do things, you know, in a productive way, then then you'll do it that way, too. I like how you, I love that. I'm going to steal that one from you, Nurse Kibra, legacy providers. That's perfect. (laughs) That's so perfect. (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure. I want to have you back on in the future when uh, Justine can make it. We'll, we'll figure it out, make it work out. And uh, you know, um, because I know that she would have a lot of questions for you. Okay. Anytime. So let's go over again where we can find you guys online. Sure. Um, so our, our um, website is visit canahealth.com, D-I-S-I-T, canahealth.com. And I'm on um, Facebook, Kebra LaShawn Smith, and um, Instagram at Nurse Kebra, and uh, LinkedIn is just my name, Kebra Smith Bolden. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. I'm looking for partners. We're looking to have a can of health in every state. And that's just not for me to fill my pockets, but that's for us to be able to grow a business together, for us to be able to provide access to our communities, for us to provide education and to utilize a, a recognized uh, brand to do so. Um, to make your business successful. So I'm ready for partners whenever you're ready to uh, talk. <laughs> yeah, reach out to Nurse Eber, guys. Uh, like you say, low, low cost of entry, you know, you're trying to help people out uh, on the license and everything. And she, you've got it all, the SOP basically modeled out. And this yeah. is a great way to get into the cannabis industry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a way to get your foot in this new and I'll just say the lame pun, budding industry. Um, (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on to the Chillinois podcast. Um, Let's spark uh, spark one up with our, we always just kind of take a couple more hits with our uh, folks and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, it's out. (laughs) It's it's all good. We've been talking for a while. So (laughs) we've been talking for a while. So you take care and we'll be in touch. All right.